Hey there, folks. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. Welcome back to uh, Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. I know it's been a while for uh, those of you who do the podcast version. Uh, my apologies. Um, you might have noticed that uh, if you uh, have paid attention that we have actually been publishing out on the website. Um, and so you might be wondering, what the hell, man? Like, what, what's with the no podcast version? Well, to be perfectly honest, I was uh, out of town for quite a bit. And the, the recording studio is here back in Colorado. And, uh, and so it made it impossible to uh, it made it impossible to do that. And uh, in addition to which, um, as much as there has indeed been uh, episodes of uh, truth going out on the website, um, I did take a couple weeks off uh, just for the purpose of, to be perfectly honest, a lot of times uh, people aren't reading them at this point. Um, it's the holidays, and uh, and so I uh, decided to take a little break, spend some time with the family, and um, and so uh, in any case, I hope you, all of you had a great holiday season. I hope all of you are well rested and uh, and feeling up for an, a great 2023. Um, that brings us to our. Uh, I'm going to sort of do a double back to back here on this one because uh, there were two columns. Um, that I have published and uh, and did want to get to both of them and they're both lists. Um, both of them are lists, and uh, so I figured at this point why not go with both of them. Uh, the first one is going to be about New Year's resolutions. The se- second one is about uh, the things that we can learn from our dogs. Um, so with that, uh, let's get right at it. This is uh, New Year's resolutions. I'm sure not to keep. And if you follow Truth in a Thousand Words or Less, you know that this is uh, one of those annual columns I love to do. Uh, it's become something of a tradition. So why not start 2023 off with a bang? Time sure has a funny way of making one feel old. At some point or another, you start watching the calendar roll over on New Year's Eve and wonder when the hell the numbers began to sound like something out of a sci-fi flick. When Orwell penned 1984 or Kubrick filmed 2001 A Space Odyssey, and yes, I realize it was a book by Arthur C. Clarke before that, but yes, those seemed like far-off times that one could only dream of with wonder and imagination. Now they're just old hat, days come and gone with much of the speculation of those two prognostications rendered to be nothing more than moot postulation. And with each of those passing years, I become more and more convinced of the complete worthlessness of New Year's resolutions. I mean, what is dieting or more exercise going to do for me now? Let's face it, I am clearly on the back nine at this point, so aren't all these aspirations to better living just a bit too little too late? like Keith Richards deciding to become a born-again Christian on his deathbed. Nah, better to just live it up now. Damn be the consequences. In fact, if anything, I think I just might resolve to take up chain-smoking and meth. You know, go out in a blaze of underestimated glory. So with that in mind, here are more of my 2023 resolutions I am sure not to keep. I resolved to treat my students with kindness and grace. (laughs) Oh, who am I kidding? Their saltwater tears just taste too good in my tea each morning. I resolve to cancel all the subscriptions I pay for but never use and limit my viewing options to the subscription services I pilfer from the accounts of friends and family. I resolve to stop buying recreational gear that continues to fill our garage instead of the cars for which it was supposedly intended. 
You know you live in Colorado when your bikes are worth more than your vehicles, and you probably spend more time on the former than the latter. I resolved to stop making jokes about black tar heroin. I'm not saying they're, they're not funny. They're about black tar heroin, so of course they're funny. But you just never know if those black tar heroin jokes are somehow laced with fentanyl. I resolved to stop calling up Russell Wilson and demanding back his $45 million salary for supposedly playing quarterback for the Denver Broncos this season. Instead, I'll just shout it at him as he sashays past me with his sizable entourage. <laughs> with those ears of his, he should have no problem hearing me. I've resolved to stop looking at the social media accounts of all my high school friends and judging them from afar for how far they have slid from their former glory years. And yes, I do know some of you are listening. And yes, I am referring to you. I resolved to stop doxing Elon Musk, or whatever the hell the term is, for publicly posting his personal information, including his whereabouts and address. Or at least I will resolve to do so once he agrees to step away from running Twitter into the ground. By the way, I was going to write a column about this at one point. Um, as much as I, I have come to absolutely loathe Elon Musk, I do think releasing his personal information and his whereabouts is really over the top and not, not okay. Like That's, that's too, a bridge too far, man. Knock that crap off. I resolved to stop Googling myself just so that I can see who pops up first. Myself or former husband to Marie Osmond, Steve Craig. Yes, that's, that's his real name, Steve Craig, former husband to Marie Osmond. Sadly, you all know the results of this one. Can't believe I flipping jackass husband of Marie Osmond comes up before I do. I resolved to drink more orange juice. It should go really well with the vodka. I resolved to stop laughing at my own jokes especially when I'm the only one laughing. I think that, yeah, thanks. I resolved to refrain from driving perilously close to my neighbor's property, just in the hopes that I may someday swerve and quasi-accidentally dismember his enormous blow-up Santa that bobs and weaves in the Arctic wind like a, a point guard maneuvering through the lane on his way to a layup. I resolved to poop in my own personal bathroom instead of subjecting others to my objective horror through utilizing public toilets to do my bidding. That is just what normal people do. In order to spend more quality time with my family, I resolved to limit watching football to Sundays and Mondays. Oh, and don't forget Thursdays. Okay, and the, the occasional Saturday as well. I resolved to stop embarrassing my kids in front of their friends, at least on purpose. I resolved to stop taking guilty pleasure in the misery of others. Right after I get done having a, another hearty laugh at Alex Jones losing his bankruptcy protection that he thought would get him out of paying the Sandy Hook victims $1.5 million. Ah! Oh, does that one hurt? And finally... I resolved to make new next year's re resolutions column even better than this year's, which means I better start working on that right now. But before I do, let's get to our second column for this week. This one uh, about the 
lessons that we learn from our dogs, the seven lessons we can learn from our dogs. All throughout my childhood, the one thing I ever really wanted was a dog. Okay, maybe as I got into my adolescent years, that desire was similarly accompanied by a strong hankering to have a girlfriend, a yearning that likewise went unrequited well into early adulthood. You see, most of my school-aged years were spent living with my single mom in a two-bedroom apartment that didn't allow pets, other than the two guinea pigs that had to suffice for the canine accompaniment I truly longed for. Needless to say... Once I moved out on my own and started paying the bills, I immediately got myself a dog. The girlfriend would have to wait for later. Since then, I have had anywhere up to three lovable canine companions sharing my abode, all named after some sort of literary character or musical genius, Strider, Noah, Coltrane. The current incarnation, um, and I'll write about more about Finnegan next week, but the current incarnation is our affable 110-pound Newfoundland named Finnegan. Now 11, Finnegan has been with us since soon after my divorce and has been the quintessential family dog during my own kids' formative childhood years. Though Newfoundlands are bred specifically for the purpose of water rescues, Finnegan won't swim, refusing to tread into water deeper than he can comfortably stand in. He has, however, obligingly permitted my children to ride him like a horse until both he and the kids outgrew the tradition. As he has grown older, the poor dog has developed a series of dental issues with a pungent reek emanating from his mouth that hits one's olfactory senses with the overwhelming rank of death. And although he still jumps up and runs around the house at the mere mention of the word hike, I remind my kids regularly that he has already exceeded the life expectancy for his breed by a full two years. My kids and I simply adore him, but all life has an expiration date, and with each passing day we all become more keenly aware that we know his time is coming. Which itself serves as a good lesson to all of us, one I'll be talking about next week. Appreciate the time you have with the ones you love. Make the most of the opportunities you have with them so that when the time does come, instead of mourning their loss, you can relish the blessing of having had them in the first place. But this is far from the only lesson Fennigan and the other dogs in my life have taught me. Here are just some of the things we might learn from our dogs if we simply pay close enough attention. Number one, stop and smell the flowers. Sure. Dogs are usually doing so to pick up the scent of another dog's urines, but hey, carpe piem. Number two, take naps. Do you know the average dog sleeps nearly 16 hours a day? They're incredibly well rested for when the important stuff happens. You know, like walks and humping pillows. Number three, devote yourself to the ones you love and give them everything you have. Worry less about what you are doing and more about whom you are doing it with. Have you ever seen the excitement a dog has when their owner walks through the door? I could have been gone all day or for only five minutes to get the, uh, <laughs> or for only five minutes to get the mail at the end of my road, but my dog's reaction is the same regardless. Unmitigated bliss. When we ask him if he wants to go for a car ride, he doesn't ask where we are going. 
he just gets in the car because all that is important to him is that he gets to go with us. Wherever I go in the house, he follows along, plopping himself down beside me when I write this column or somewhat more intrusively when I do sit-ups in the gym. He makes it clear that he cares less about what we are doing and more that he gets to do it with us. Number four, enjoy going for walks. The world is a great, big, beautiful place. Go outside and immerse yourself in it every once in a while. Number five, minimize your possessions and reserve your energy for a few material items that are truly important to you. Sure, every dog has their favorite sticker, Whoopi. They might even bury a bone in the backyard. But dogs don't get embroiled in the realm of material possession. Detachment leads us away from suffering and loss, allowing us to accept the transient nature of things. Number six, live in the present moment. Have you ever stared deeply into a dog's eyes and wondered what they were thinking about? Well, I am pretty sure that whatever it was, it had nothing to do with what they were going to be doing with their lives six years from now or how they could transcend the mistakes of the past. Dogs move on past that shit. For them, time is but an illusion, which also explains why they have absolutely no clue how long you've been away from the house. And finally, number seven, lick your wounds and move on. Now, in fairness, dogs do an awful lot of licking, and let's just say that it's not always wounds. But you also don't see dogs spending hours at a psychiatrist's office, unless it's Snoopy, in which case the nickel hourly rate seems pretty reasonable. Don't get mired in the self-absorption of your own victimization. You may have seven times the lifespan of a dog, but even that is far too short to fritter away your life thinking about the past, how the past has wronged you. Stick your head out of the car window of life and let those troubles go breezing on past you. And with that, folks, speaking of uh, I couldn't have a better segue, for you know who's coming. You know my boy. That's right. Speaking of putting your head out the car window and letting the breeze go past you, that's why they call Johnny M. the breeze, man. Actually, it's it's Van Zandt, yeah. Leonard Skinner, but whatever, it doesn't matter, man. Now they call Johnny Johnny Mayer the Breeze, because he's so silky smooth and fine. In any case, my name's Stephen Craig. I'll be back next week. I do promise that. I will be back next week. We'll have a podcast next week. Uh, we usually do this thing each and every Thursday, so uh, come check us out. Uh, you, uh, you found us this week. You know where to find us. Um, you can find my website at www.waitingfortoday.com. Uh, you can check us out on Medium. You can check us out on Facebook. You can check us out on Instagram. Uh, fuck Twitter. Fuck Twitter. Um, my name is Stephen Craig. I'm the host and author of this uh, little shindig we call Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Until next week, folks. Thanks for being here, and peace out, y'all.